Welcome to the Obscurum Podcast. To learn, seek, reveal. This podcast is titled, Why I Love Science and Why I Blame Ghosts for That. Children are natural scientists with their curiosity and inclinations towards experimentation, and I was no different growing up. But most of all, I love natural science, being out in nature, exploring the wilds of my backyard and the living things therein. I also found myself drawn to scientific theories so I could figure out or make some sense of and come to terms with why my house was haunted. On my quest for answers, I decided to interview my mom to see what she experienced while growing up in that house. So what do you remember about living in the old house? I remember a creepy feeling like there was somebody or something there. We were scared to go upstairs. There was a room above the garage. They called it a bonus room. And nobody went up there at night by themselves, you know, unless they were with somebody. It was like there was a presence up there. And it was just, you didn't want to be there by yourself in the dark, alone. There was just always a constant feeling of a presence in the house. Downstairs, it was okay because you had other family members downstairs, you know, in their rooms or in the kitchen, watching TV or whatever. But like I said, nobody wanted to go upstairs by themselves in the dark. Daytime, it was okay. But at night, never. What, what do you mean by okay? It made it pleasant, we'll say. Even if there was, you know, or not, uh, something else up there, you weren't as uncomfortable as you would be if it was the evening. Do you remember anything about Grandma's room? Um, Grandma's room was, it was more depressing. But I suppose depressing can be associated with darkness. Like a heaviness or? Oh, yes, definitely. Yes, uh, a big weight was in that room that's hard to describe. Was it there when you guys moved in? Um, you know what? I really don't know. Just being in that house and living there it was just very uncomfortable. There was the fact that we had to move, give up the other house we were in because of my parents' divorce, uh, that we all really liked a lot, our neighborhood and everything. So it was a really low point in our lives as it was. Mm -hmm. And this house wasn't as nice as the other one mm -hmm. that we we really liked. So it was just a very down feeling, basically throughout the entire house. What age were you when you guys moved into that house? Uh, fifth grade. And I lived there periodically, off and on. When I had my children, moved back in. And I think they also felt the same presence. I know my sisters, my sister did, both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother, I would think so too. My older brother, probably not. If he did, he never mentioned anything. No. But then there's also a lot of things that I've blocked okay. from my um, childhood there in that house, especially. Mm -hmm. Some of these things you just, you'd rather ignore than face it, that mm -hmm. you heard it. Having to face the fact that there was a presence being felt in the house was one thing. But to actually maybe try and sort it out, mm -hmm. I didn't want to engage Okay. So I, was I mean, scared. Yeah. Is, is that how you coped? You're just like, it's not happening. I'm getting through life. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to ignore that this is. No, not, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, I was aware 
But I figured if I don't bother it, it's really not going to bother me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the way I would say it was a coexistence. Yeah. I didn't want to push the limit on, on it, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather not learn a whole lot and then, like I said, and just be there coexisting rather than try to dig deep and, I don't know, get more concerned, more scared. Mm -hmm. I suppose. Just being able to exist with these presences is something that I think is kind of unique. Our garden was beautiful, like the house looked vibrant and vivacious, at least from the outside, mm -hmm. um, and certainly was on the inside. But I noticed after we moved, the garden got ripped out, everything died. It just kind of looks like the quintessential haunted house now. <laughs> Whoever moved in there after us did not make peace with these presences, and whoever has it now still doesn't. Um, I'm not too sure about now, because mm -hmm. since the house was sold, yeah, uh, that's when the the new owner removed all the trees, mm -hmm. removed the hedges, removed the rose bushes. Backyard, I have no idea what that looks like. He did, I have to say, when he went to sell the place, um, it was in disarray. And he did weird things to the house. And there was a door that went up to the stairwell from the living room kitchen area. Well, he built like an entrance to the stairwell, a really bizarre thing. Why he did that, I have no idea. It's just kind of kind of strange. So it kind of is like a Winchester house type of feeling? <laughs> uh, you know, kind of, sort of. I never went in the thing, you know, when it went up for sale, which I now I wish I would have. I did tour it just a little, little bit when they had the video tour on the site that was um, selling the home. But now, I don't know, it's kind of still the same. It's, the property really isn't being taken care of. Improvements really aren't being made on it. And I could only think that maybe the same presence is still there. When I, when I sold the place after my uh, mom and my grandmother died, I knew I could have probably bought out my sisters and my brother and kept the place but I couldn't. It was not my house. And I just knew that right off the bat. There was no way I can have that house. It was my mom's house. And I didn't want to be in it. So just sold it outright. And that was basically it. Let's say someone is living in another haunted house. How would you help them to cope or come to terms with? Um, well, part of it was avoidance for the upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't go up there unless I was going up with my sisters or brothers or whatever. Um, and the other thing is, I never antagonized. I just figured coexist, and uh, that was kind of the end of it. And that was fine for me. When I moved out, I know nothing moved with me. Good. <laughs> Spiritually. Yeah. <laughs> I lived in that house from birth till I was 19 years old, and I would mostly have intense dreams, nightmares, even before I recognized that my house was haunted which happened around the age of five or six. When you're born into it and that's all you know, it seems normal. I mean, I never really had an issue with the general overall feeling of the house. I do remember that I could see a heaviness in my grandmother's room. It was dark, cloud-like, as if you were looking at a vignetted photo. Although the other rooms on that side of the house got a significant amount of sunlight, that room never seemed to. It was always dim. I must have been five or six, and it was nighttime. I was walking past my grandmother's room to go to the bathroom when something caught my attention. I peered through the window with the curtain still drawn. There, staring back at me from the edge of the yard next to the apricot tree, was a Victorian girl about the age of nine. 
She must have been self-luminant as the yard did not have any floodlights and I could clearly see her placid expression. I was terrified. The appearance, unexpected, was this a hoax? My family's not important enough, nor would anybody put a kid up to that. Ever since then, I hated passing by that room at night with the curtains open, and that happened a lot. That fear of keeping curtains open at night stayed with me into adulthood, but I've gotten over it now. I never did see her again, and actually I prayed to never see a ghost again. But that wasn't all I experienced in the house. After interviewing my mother, I had more questions than answers. Something came up that I didn't factor in. Did my family bring or manifest this into the house? So I called my aunt for more information. What was your experience of growing up in the old house? My experience was with a malevolent entity, and that thing yeah. was truly malevolent toward, toward me, and uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't know who else. I never talked about this with anybody else in the family because they would have thought I was crazy and probably would have medicated me or something. Put me <laughs> in a booby hatch. You know? Yeah. Very interesting just being in that house. And even in the daytime, there were times in the daytime that I felt that malevolent entity. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the heck? You know, what's going on? It was like, it was like, what? If I was walking, it was like right on my back. If I was sitting in, on that one side of the couch, I could look up just a few feet, and if I looked at the spot where I knew it was, although I couldn't see it, I knew its energy was there. Mm -hmm. Um, That was pretty much every single day. I, from probably, gosh, from the time we moved there to the time I moved out. How old were you when you you moved in? I think I was seven or eight. And then uh, which bedroom were you in? Well, actually, um, I was in all the spare bedrooms, uh, just not the master bedroom because that was my mom's. But for the most part, I was in the back bedroom at, uh, right next door to my mother's room. And okay. uh, I was, it was always still, even with her in the room, I was scared. I was always scared mm-hmm. in that house. It was a very negative vibe that I had all the time. Just like I felt like something was just watching me all the time. So what else did you experience? I had a, when I was uh, younger, there were a lot of different things that I experienced in that house. I would remember waking up at night, hearing sounds of a party and people in the kitchen, cupboards opening and closing, dishes being moved in the kitchen. I would wake up, and as I walked down the hall to go to the kitchen, I would still hear it. As soon as I got in the kitchen, everything stopped. Hmm. And I wasn't sleepwalking. I wasn't in that, you know, how you get in a half-awake, half-sleep state or in a dream state. I heard this. It was many times I heard that. So I don't know if that was like an echo of the past. Or in terms of times past, I have no idea. Other times, I I called on the <laughs> devil because I wanted the devil to do something to my brother and sister. And as I did that, an mm-hmm. entity appeared at the foot of my bed, scared the living daylights out of me. Eight years old when this happened. It was like big, tall, dark, kind of wispy type of thing. It appeared actually kind of solid, not, not transparent or semi-solid. It appeared as a solid entity, but I don't know what it was. But I think it was the thing that was living in the house. I had a lot of experiences like that. There was uh, an old painting of times when, like Victorian times, where women had the bustles. There was one woman at the piano playing the piano. There were cherubs flying about. If you stared at the picture long enough, all those characters in the picture started moving. It, and I, I experienced that. My sister Teresa experienced that. I'm not sure if my other family members experienced that or not. 
but I know at least two of us, like you could see the mouths moving, they were talking, you'd see the hands on the piano moving, mm -hmm. playing the piano, it was the weirdest thing. So it could be that the picture was also quite haunted. So do you care to share on those learnings that you've gotten from being in that sort of environment, dealing with those sort of entities? I look at the experiences I had. I don't know what the malevolent entity was that was in the house. I have no idea. It wasn't a demon. It wasn't mm -hmm. um, an angel. It could have been some other type of spiritual entity. It could have been, um, well, something I would call an other. I'm not sure what it was. I just know that it was something that terrorized me for many years, even after I had the umbrella of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that thing still got through that umbrella of protection, and I never mm. understood it. Now, mm. if something like that were to happen, so instead of becoming terrified, I might, I might get startled right away for, for a brief moment. It's like, okay, mm. so what really is this? And then if I wait and I'm still long enough, and I have my protections around me, so nothing that I don't want to come to me will come to me. It's not possible anymore. And it's really, it's really amazing where I am now compared to where I was before because that, all that silly fear is gone. I welcome the dark. I welcome the night. I welcome just being able to have the darkness and the, the peace and quiet of having dark around me when I meditate. So about how my life is different, I stop judging people. Mm -hmm. I seek to understand certain things. Um, where we all live, that bad being in that house, I'm pretty certain something that came from my mother's side of the family that grew because it fed on fear. So that being a thought form or an egregore, I believe that's what that was. I think that once we all split and moved out of the house, it didn't have anything else to feed on. But maybe it did. Maybe it stayed there for the next people. I think it was attached to the house. Definitely the next people that moved in my gut feeling tells me they experienced some stuff and it did not mm -hmm. go over so well. Um, which yeah. brings me to my next question of what is the best way to cope while in a household like that? Because you've experienced more than one. You've experienced that growing up. Oh, yeah. And then you mentioned the one where you're actually getting physically attacked by entities. Well, the, I'll have to explain about the scratches in the right pectoral area in a little bit. No, I had no coping mechanisms back then. I was constantly scared. I had none. It wasn't until I became much older and started on this path that I began to understand that the spiritual world is not what I had shoved in every orifice <laughs> of my being growing up, okay? And the thing is that what I, what I hated most about that is fear is very controlling. Fear is a way to, to manipulate people. And now I've learned that I don't have to have that fear. In the house that my husband and I lived in before we moved to the house we are now, what the scratches looked like was a type of a sigil, like a calling card of what most people call demons. They're spirits. They're guiding spirits. And people have, they're indoctrinated and ingrained with the fear of anything that they don't understand instead of being taught to understand and taught to work with the energies out there because everything is energy. I, I gave up that fear. And instead, if I hear or see something, like when I'm meditating, mm -hmm. um, I'll hear a lot of noises. It's like, okay, so you're over there, okay. And I just accepted it. I don't get scared or freaked out anymore. It feels like the greatest empowerment, the greatest way of overcoming what others may be dealing with in that space is dealing with hauntings, or what we call hauntings, is to not feed fear into it, but know that you have a power over it. You have a level yes. of control 
over yes. these entities, over these beings, over your actions and how you react mm-hmm. to them. Yes, and also, so when you talk about about having that power to how we act and react to them, it's also along with that, it's the intention of this is what this is. To look at something and say, okay, well, what is this really? And just understand, and just knowing and understanding mm-hmm. releases a fear like that. I mean, it's literally as simple and as difficult as that. There were times where I was shaking, just unnerved, and then afterwards, like, it's like, this is my house, and I'm going up the stairs to my room. And I would force myself to breathe normally, to calm down, mm-hmm. and go up the stairs. And it, I mean, it really does work because mm-hmm. things feed off fear. Also, when we have fears, we create thought forms. Thought forms have lives of their own. This is why I'm saying that the really bad entity at that mm-hmm. house growing up, that's something that my mom brought in with her. It could have been something mm-hmm. that was ancestral. And as each generation came to being, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I am both happy and sorry that it attached itself to that house. Happy it didn't follow any of us. The thought form is kind of like a principle mm-hmm. of manifestation. Yes. There's a connection with echoes from the past that reminded me of when I would hear a soundbite of me saying something years before. I figured it was a trick of my mind, but at one point my mom heard it too and asked if I said something. Much of that factor had me considering if stored acoustic energy somehow be atmospherically amplified or reproduced in that environment, making those sounds audible to human hearing again, as my aunt stated, when she walked into the kitchen or disrupted the flow of that acoustic energy it stopped. I had also experienced sounds from the kitchen at night, but it was different. Every night around 2 a.m. I would be woken by sounds of what seemed like someone taking two plungers and making suction noises as they walked around. My bedroom was to the right of the front door and the kitchen was to the left, so for anyone to have an odd late night hobby, I would have noticed their movement past my room. At one point I thought it was the fridge, but then noticed that it didn't happen during the daytime or any other time. However, when I was 19, it all made sense, when I saw a very large muddy hand tap on my window in daylight. Okay, I thought it was someone messing with me, so I went to find signs of the culprit by looking at impressions on the grass. There was nothing. Then I thought it was my mind playing tricks on me and that the plants had tapped on my window, which is something that happened often. However, the plants were trimmed back and couldn't reach the glass. Then it occurred to me that the sounds that I heard in the kitchen were consistent with the sound of someone treading through mud. Muddy hand, muddy man. A friend of mine has pointed out lore of a muddy man, or being, called an exudu lodo. And since interviewing my aunt, I'm left wondering if that was what my aunt called when she called him the devil. In the upstairs, there was a curious blue-green aura spirit-like being. There was also a ghost cat that would be kneading and purring on my bed, and that was the only one that I was okay with. The most interesting thing is how this energy or being or whatever it is creating this phenomenon has actually left lasting impacts on my and my family's lives. Some of this I've had to undo and other parts I honor like my curiosity and greater appreciation of the sciences. After the interviews, the idea that my family manifested a portion of these paranormal happenings seems to be on point. It's as if the space amplified and reflected them. As my mom stated, my surviving uncle experienced nothing, and my brother blocked most of it out as my mother did. 
Given these perceptive and individualistic factors, one can come to release their fear into understanding and have a level of control over the space and how they react to it, as my aunt described. The truth is, we are just touching the surface of our influence with subjects such as the photon double slit experiments and the discovery of neutrinos, also known as the ghost particle. Overall, at the end of this, I'm left with more curiosity than answers, and I'm also wondering if hauntings could somehow be a key component in creating a Star Trek-style holodeck. Be well, friends. For links and details on this episode, go to www.obscuramobscuram.com.